Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Inking Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Rob Santos, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my co-host, Drew McCaffrey. How's it going, everybody? And returning special guest, going all the way back to our first few episodes on the Wheel of Time, Rob Winchell is making his triumphant return today. Welcome back, Rob. (laughs) Now, he joins Drew and I today to talk about our next patron-recommended book, The Acclaimed Ready Player One by Ernest (laughs) Klein. I had a blast at times reading this one. It only took like a day. So, Drew, would you be so kind as to kick us off with our weekly recap? Sure. Um, Yeah, I'm going to be winging it a little bit because I just finished the book very recently and did not have time to type out my normal synopsis. But uh, this is a book set in the relatively near future uh, in the United States. Uh, The Earth is rapidly... uh, disintegrating basically and uh, the majority of people survive by living most of their lives in a virtual game world called the oasis our main character wade watts is uh, a young man who is a hyper fan and after the creator of the oasis dies and leaves an easter egg hunt as his will to bequeath his vast fortune upon the winner wade is right in the thick of things he meets some some online friends along the way, including H, his best friend, uh, Artemis, his crush, and uh, Shoto and Daito, his uh, Japanese online buddies. And they go through a series of puzzles and tasks and games, and eventually Wade comes out on top, defeating the evil corporation IOI and uh, and winning uh, winning the. Easter egg and the vast, vast billions of dollars. <sighs> it's so hard not to chime in on any of that. Yeah, yeah. To lead off style, I want to just make it very clear. I do not think this is a well-written book, but it was fun. At okay, <laughs> that's. I think I actually agree with that whole sentiment. I might go as far as to disagree with. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think at any points, like this is a fun book to discuss because it's so bad. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, let's get into why then. Let's get into why. Let's start off our style. Tell us why it's that bad. Oh my God. All right. Well, like, let's just start with a summary. Like what first came to mind, like his name, like it just looks like Wade Watts. It's like. His initials are wow. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. Like he says in the book, he's like. My dad gave me this name. He was an okay guy, but he died robbing a liquor store. I'm sure he was a great guy. <laughs> like, like, <you> know, <laughs> like uh, I mean, mm. it's it's just like I don't know. It's like like the the male equivalent of the Mary Sue who just knows an impossible amount of eighty shit, which yeah. is not like I, I think I think I ended up when I I ended up looking up like someone did a number crunch and how much how many hours it would take to know what he claims to know in this book and it was oh, yeah. well above like 10 human lives yeah i mean he talks about like like mentions multiple movies that he's seen hundreds of times it's like Ugh. like monty python and the holy grail is what an hour and a half yeah maybe a little longer and he says he's watched it 157 oh my, times yeah like, that was, that's the thing like <laughs> like one of the trials was reenacting or like i mean the trial was either him playing a video game or him reenacting a movie yeah. like the movies it was like like, if you imagine your favorite movie, like I've seen my favorite movies multiple times, I couldn't reenact scene for scene every little thing that no. anyone does perfectly. 
like at all. Let, let me say, I there's one show that I could once upon a time in my life do that with, and it's just one show, and that is Friends, the sitcom. I used to be able to go line for line for line for that, and almost that yeah, entire the show was adorable. By the way, but that what's that? Yeah, like for me, it was like Star Wars Episode One. I watched that movie. Like I, I had a contest when I, you know, when I was very young with my best friend to like see who could watch the movie more often. In like, I don't know, I think it was over the course of summer. And I watched the movie 76 times. And by the end of that, I could, I could go line for line the entire movie. Could you do all but, the actions? But that's there? one no, movie, I though. Do the actions. And within, <laughs> I don't know, like Your Jar Jar within impression. a year. Your Jar Jar no. Banks impression. <laughs> like, oh, my God. How am I just hearing about uh, this now? Like, it, it's and within a year, I couldn't do it anymore. I mean, I, I still yeah. have like a decent memory of some yeah. of the lines of the movie, but I can't. And he's saying that he can do that after years and years with not just one movie, but with like dozens of movies. Uh, yeah, know? yeah. And like, like just they just happen to be the test. I mean, and like and that and that's the thing, like that's just like the 80s pop culture. Like he's throwing out references, which was a little infuriating. Like if it if it stuck to solely 80s pop culture, it probably went a little bit better. But he's throwing out things like Terminator 2, like early on in the book, like that's 92. He's throwing yeah. out a bunch of like '90s references too. I'm like, '91. Like, like what is like? This isn't. That's not '80s. Well, like, and, a, and a lot of the science fiction like um, movies and books that he talks about are well before the '80s. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's just and and it's like I wish it made a thing. I don't. I don't. I guess maybe it did reference it, but I wish it was like this is '80s comic and movie culture because it's like there's not a lot of reagan mentions in this book they don't talk <laughs> okay. about the aids pandemic or things that yeah, not going in Watergate really? in the 80s that were very culturally defining it yeah. just it just no but this is this is star wars this is monty python this is yeah, straight up what this book is is the author masturbating over all of his nerd trivia not even not even <laughs> metaphorically like these actually back off like in which is, I want to talk about the chapters where he gets really explicit about the jacking off. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll get we there. will, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, if oh. so much of this book is just completely unnecessary, like, uh, uh, in, incredibly indulgent trivia right. and explanations. And, and what I really don't understand, like, the, the pure amount of info dumps in here, but not okay. just the info dumping, it's the way he'll he'll info dump and use like nerd terms and then use a parenthetical to in very elementary terms describe oh. the nerd term it's like dude yeah the people who are reading this book already know all of this yeah. stuff he goes like, into like three pages describing the <laughs> delorean from back to the future right, yeah. it's like just say the delorean <laughs> this is one of the cases where i did thoroughly enjoy the movie actually more than the book because like this thing was, it feels like it was written to be a movie. Like, right, yeah. Like, like, I mean, just show it. It's fine yeah. in the movie. You don't have to describe what a DeLorean I mean, Back it, to the Future like, looks like. The one you that know? really pissed me off was when he first runs into Artemis in the Tomb of Horrors. And, and they're talking about her name. And she's like, oh, yeah, I had to use a three in it. Because the regular spelling of Artemis was used. That's mm -hmm. Leet speak, where you replace letters with numbers. And I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. Not yeah, only do not, we all know that we both we the, both head palmed it. We both put our hand in our head like, at the same time. Just like, but like but just, the characters also know that. Like that was a purely unnecessary, like aside to explain it, nerd oh reference, my, and he does it constantly. Yeah, yeah he does those as like, the asides. Oh. He does the asides constantly. Like, 
there was one point where he's like talking about like when he gets the first key, he's like, and I found out later that I couldn't actually translate, tr- transfer it via inventory. Yeah, yeah. He does things like that all the time. And it's like, like, why? Like, it just takes you like, out. You this book could have been a hundred pages shorter and it's already oh. a super short book. You guys are killing me with this right now. You guys are going through every fucking <laughs> style point that I have written down here on every point, and you are oh, nailing more. every single thing I wanted <laughs> to say. Like, what I don't I, even need I, to what say I, what, I, what I would love to discuss before, I want to get it out because, <laughs> like, before we even get into the book itself, I want to discuss this, like, post-apocalypse economy that he never mm. really describes fully because it confuses me because it's like he describes everyone is living in, like, squalor like stacks and stacks of like the movie did in my opinion a very good visual of it in my head like stacks of like trailers shot on the yeah, yeah yeah like that was cool i wanted a little yeah. more but like but there's also like giant companies still doing promotions capitalism still thriving countries are still like in existence and doing fine yeah so it's like the closest analogy you have is like watching the movie idiocracy it's like <laughs> is that the world they're living in and he's not aware that he's in this world of idiocracy yeah like, because I'm just like, none of this makes sense. Like, why did the economy collapse? What is like, yeah, everything more long than the there, yeah. there were some really weird uh, situations where I, I also kind of paused and, and had to tell myself, like, don't overthink this. Like, yeah, cause, <laughs> because if you do, the story falls apart. Yeah. Because, I mean, there, yeah, there's one that, like, it really, I was reading it and it was like, I, I did I did a reread for this and there's like a scene where he's like I go to like he's talking about a pizza parlor uh-huh. it's like you go there you order a pizza and then like a drone will show up at your live door yeah. within like 20 minutes of you ordering it in the oasis and I'm like this doesn't sound like a collapsed economy like this is yeah. this like what I don't know and there's so many things like that where I'm like this doesn't line up like yeah, yeah people are living off of food stamps in in yeah. the in the, uh, in the real world. this like poverty stricken landscape that he's describing there's no way enough people would be ordering pizza for that pizza joint to still be operating right like i don't understand <laughs> i don't understand the economy that he's built because he's talking about like Daito, when, he, when he meets dido and shaito which as characters let's i don't even uh, what, i don't even want to go into those those <laughs> we'll, we'll two. get to them we'll yeah get to we'll them get, later. but we'll it's just like, like japan's economy according to them is just humming along fine yeah, like that's like what like that's apparently this just didn't yeah that, that like millions of kids can just disappear and japan is like unaffected by it yeah there, there's just like some news interest in it and and that's it like <laughs> yeah I, I, there's so many things i want to get like like his portrayal of like artemis and like when he first meets her and like when he's talking about women like i, I don't know if you guys i sent drew before this i sent drew like some of the author's poetry but oh, like, oh no some of the most cringy yeah, oh cringy some of the most cringy stuff i've ever read in my life like and then but like and i feel when he's talking about artemis where he's like i'm not into these you know traditionally attractive women i like i like but that's why i like artemis because she's all curves because you know guys hate all curves like guys hate those curvy women obviously that's that's crazy and then like and then like in later in the chapter which i keep going back to that chapter he talks about jacking off talks about spending like an entire week in a brothel and like yeah i'm sure they were all those you know unattractive super hot women that you claim to hate yeah right. Right. oh my god so the, i'm off track the other like the other main um, style point i had is the footnotes in in chapter 0 there's like so chapter zero is only in in my copy nine pages long, 
Yeah, nine pages long. And there are one, two, three, four, five, six, six footnotes. And first off, they, they pissed me off because it's like, I, I felt like I had to read them when all they were was just him once again being like masturbatory with uh, nerd trivia. It's like added like, absolutely nothing to the story. It's not even and good then, masturbatory yeah. trivia. Like it's like, yeah, every, like you don't even have to be a nerd right. to know these things. And then, you know? and then there are no footnotes for the rest of the book. Why were these really? ever included? I didn't even notice why, that. Why it's, were these here? I feel like, like that's like, the editor being like, it's, this is when the like, editor was trying. And then like after the first couple of chapters, he's like, just... Yeah, like, it probably would have improved this book greatly if he had kept the the stylistic conceit of the footnotes throughout it, and he just used those as his vehicle for the totally you know superfluous asides, explaining things in pedantic, condescending detail, and and then I could have like just read the book and skipped the footnotes because I don't need to read the stuff that I already know, you know, and so. And 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 the stuff I don't know, I don't care about. Like, I don't I don't need to know what like some random actor's name was in the background of a scene in Sixteen Candles. Like, like, like I do not care. And that that goes to the original point we had. We're like, how does like how does he think this is useful? Like, and how much time did it take to research this? Like, uh, and how, how I forgot how old was wade in this i forgot like like oh he's he a senior in high school so he started at 18 right? that'd be like 18 oh, okay i mean if they're talking about him jacking out they're probably gonna make him 18 so often yeah 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 i because I, he graduates from high school fairly early or like about halfway through the book yeah oh, yeah um and then and then it says artemis is 20 and she's older than him oh is she i, I somehow missed that detail. by the end of the book he's 19 and and she's 20 something like that hmm yeah i mean you guys it, you guys, it sounds like you guys feel a lot more strongly about all of your style points than I do, but my, <laughs> mine are all the same. Mine are all the same. Like, I'll, I'll just go through them and you'll see exactly how much the same they are. I wrote, you know, I, I like the style of this one. It's obviously unique. Um, but just how many references is it possible to slip into a novel about video games and pop culture from the 80s, from primarily from the 80s? I just, it's if you told me that beforehand, like 50, I wouldn't have believed you. 80s and then not 80s. Like, yeah, so yeah. it's just kind of, I don't even know why he picked 80s. He could just say, like, because Previous that's the decade book. he grew up. Like this is such a self-insert book. Like I, I haven't read it. Like I mean, you said like a male version of a, a Mary Sue. Like oh yeah, full stop. This is one of the most like obvious Gary Stu yeah. books I've ever read. Where yeah, it's like, I, this guy is very clearly like this is his projection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's kind of like the girl with the dragon tattoo sort of thing, where it's like this is the author pretending the ideal version of himself no, like i oh, so, go ahead oh so like i i was like when i finished it like when i finished the reread before this podcast in my head i was thinking like like i give twilight a lot of crap because <laughs> but at the same time i'm like like this isn't i'm not the target audience like i have like guilty pleasures and things i'm like if there was ever a book built like written towards my guilty pleasures because i am a huge like 80s movies buff 80s pop cultures buff like would I be as susceptible as a lot of the fans of Twilight? After this book, I can say I am not. Yeah. I, I am not susceptible I, to the same level because this I is male the, Twilight. What like, I think the problem is with this book is that there's a fundamental disconnect between the content of the book and the intended audience of the book. Like he's writing this for people who are going to be nostalgic for the 80s. 
but then he's super condescending and and overly detailed in his descriptions. It's like your intended audience already knows all of this. Yeah. Like you, you don't need to explain every little video game term and and nerd speak like I agree this is made this is written to be more of a movie. It's why it's why yeah, the movie I, I, so I think weird. the movie is so much better. Like I just I don't understand some of the authorial choices. And that's uh, not just, I don't like I don't think the movie's good. I saw it on illicit substances and I thought it was amazing. <laughs> from there we might have that in common my friend. I thought the movie was incredible when I saw it. But <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like, and it's also like the, the movie has like like Spielberg directed it and like you can see his touches on it and they're sure. uh, they're very good because like the the live scenes like there's like a chase scene in the movie that's very good it's like that's real Spielbergian and then you can see the other part like where they're in the oasis Spielberg's like yeah just like just give it to the CG guys just yeah. let them do whatever yeah. I don't care it's probably <laughs> Spiel- the easiest paycheck ever because half the properties are his too like speaking uh, of Spielberg right. yeah. you caught uh, the, the nod to Spielberg in this one I assume too eh what was it yeah at like, uh, one point uh, H says to to P. Uh, he actually says it wasn't like or wasn't like it was directed by Spielberg oh, yeah, or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went, oh, wow, nice little touch. Yeah, I mean, it's not obviously a little touch because Spielberg hadn't directed the movie yet at that point. I shouldn't have said that, but like, you know what I mean? I saw that and I was like, okay, all right. I, I mean, that was a, there was clearly like a a concerted marketing like effort when this book got popular and it was going into like you know multimedia. Um, and exploding in yeah. just popular consciousness, there was an effort to tie in as many multimedia artists to this story as possible who were mentioned in the story. Like the fact that they had Will Wheaton do the audiobook, they had Steven Spielberg direct the movie. I mean, Will well, Wheaton's president in the book, which is, yeah, I, know. I mean, like, after Trump, like, I was like, I guess yeah, that could like happen. Will <laughs> Wheaton and Cory Doctorow, like, uh, like, uh, it's. Just, I need to take a deep breath. Yeah, you know, I just... I, so I, have, I have one last um, kind of negative uh, style point, and, and this ties a little bit into characters, so I won't go super deep on it. But, like, uh, like you guys are familiar with, like, the term, like, tokenism, right? Like, where you yeah. you have, like, one one minority character of the type. Mm-hmm. And funny, I, just, I, I think I just learned the word tokenism today in a completely unrelated... And that's in South Park, maybe. H- South Park. It was a South Park. Like yeah. yeah, the absolute prime example of tokenism, where like everybody is like a white dude in this book, and then token is like a a fat black lesbian. I mean, woman. Yeah, yeah. Like, like all all the minority identities got like wrapped into just one character, and then everybody else is like a straight white dude from America. I'll, I'll argue like, that <laughs> Artemis is tokenism. Also, which is yeah, like the manic like. The manic pixie dream character, but H is absolutely I, I more. I wouldn't so call her tokenism, but she's absolutely a. Um, she cliche. fills yeah two common tropes, and and those are the manic pixie dream girl and uh, the not like the other girls. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's a good one. I didn't even think of that. Definitely not like I'm not like the other girls. Like you yeah. just have this birthmark on your face. You're still super hot, but yeah, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, God, it'd be funny if just like they met like. Uh, he met her and it's just like a running man or like a total recall thing where she has like a mutant growing out of her face. And it's like, oh, I'm still into her. It's like, no, no, you're not. God, you're just, yeah. I don't know. They didn't, they yeah. didn't subvert any tropes. There wasn't any surprises. 
And honestly, by the end, I was kind of rooting for the evil corporation. So <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I was definitely no. rooting for Wade, but like, but I'm too much of a gamer to vote like, for like, but like, but like, why? Like, I mean, based on what little we know about this dystopian future they're talking about, a large reason that the world is in shit is probably due to this game. And like, at least the IOI company are like, like we're gonna we're gonna stream like outside of murdering a bunch of people, which they did. That was bad, yeah. <laughs> obviously. And you know that's not ideal. But outside of that, not ideal. Like we're gonna streamline this game. We're gonna make it where you know people have to pay for it. But it's gonna like make it so people have to actually focus on the fact that this free game that consumed their lives. They're gonna have to pay for it. Fewer people are gonna play it. Maybe the actual real world won't be so terrible. People will spend more time trying to fix their immediate surroundings yeah. rather than try to just lose themselves escapism. in escapism. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even the escapism in this, I don't get it. Like, it doesn't even sound that good. Like, Wade is talking about, because, you know, he's he's saying, like, he can't afford the good stuff. So he's just, like, mm. going to a virtual high school. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, you're living a regular life in this game with, I mean, it's a lot of cliches. Like, oh, my God, it's a side, sad tangent where like, he's talking about when he goes to school and there's, like, a bully yeah. where where he's, like, like he's, he schools this bully on on 80s references. And then, I don't know, like, it was Einstein all along and everyone cheers. Like, it's just the dumbest thing. Uh, but then, right. Like, that happened. But then like right before that, he says like, you can block people and then just yeah. not see them. So it's like, why didn't you just do that? Yeah. Like you, if you can just only interact with people you like, why do you not have your bullies blocked? I don't know. Uh, and then he plays Joust, which is the most boring f***ing game. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm liking this. I could just sit here and listen to this for the whole episode. So I, I want to say one like good thing about style. Like I did appreciate in the second half of the book the pace of it. For such a short book, the first half was an absolute slog. Like I I came really close to putting this book down at around the 75 page mark. It is way worse than the beginning. I really, agree. Really close. But by the end of the book, I was like, I was just cruising along. Like the, the info dumps were still there, but they were much less prevalent and much less obnoxious. We call that pedantic. We call that Stockholm syndrome, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, but, but more importantly, like he, he spent a lot more time on actual story in the second half of the book where the first half of the book really just was like, let me give you a list of all of these nerd trivia facts. And and so in the second half, I'm not going to say we got character development because we didn't, but nobody did. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we got story development at least. I mean, I don't. I, I agree that I agree with you. The first part of the book was way worse. I disagree a little bit on the pacing because there was like whole scenes like after he gets the first key, he's talking about like there's entire moments where like where he talks like he goes on tangents where he's like I went off and did this for a month. And then I went off and did this. I went to a bra. I lost a. I lost a week in this virtual brothel. And then I like bought a sex robot. Yeah, and they buy like it just like <laughs> he talks about for pages things that I don't like. I, they're not applicable to anything. He's like, I went to this other planet, and I don't know. I jerked off to Lord of the Rings for two and a half hours, <laughs> which is, which I confession. I also ended up reading Ready Player Two, 
Oh, far no. worse. That's not the confession I thought was coming. Yeah, no, okay. Because I, 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 it's as quick. I was like, all right, I'm going to try it. I'm super into masochism. Let's try it. Out. <laughs> I was waiting until the end of the episode to make a Ready Player Two joke. It's like, all right, <laughs> going into yeah, it next. Because I did. Yeah, and Rob, all, yeah. Rob decided, you know, he's going to torture us by recommending this book. So he may as well torture himself. Yeah. Well, it's it's less more validation because, like, I feel like I'm on crazy pills of how many people like this. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's just not what? What? Like, it's fun to make fun of. Or, you know, you go sit in a movie theater on lsd and it's great but otherwise <laughs> you know what is happening not that not yeah, not yeah. that i did that or condone drug use don't never not on never the do that podcast <laughs> yeah so uh, are, are we done with style like should we move on to characters here yeah like i mean the style is like i said like, like you get it it's just geek masturbatory yeah you know just like ref it just references yeah just, i mean i might cover it again a little bit in my outro my conclusion here but yeah i'm ready to go into characters okay cool all right then then my last style point this guy really needs to learn how to use proper punctuation all right characters go <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like uh, an editor's job too all right characters i mean they're all they're all cliche. they're all everywhere. cliches i mean the easiest one to talk about I mean, actually, actually, Wade's not even that easy to talk about because he is just, he just knows everything. Yeah, there was never like an 80s reference in this where he's like, I don't know that. I have to defer to someone else in the party. I know everything. Like there was never one of the puzzles where he's like, oh, I didn't study that. I didn't play this video game very much. I need someone else to yeah, do it's it. Like just... The closest was the Tempest game. But even that was like, oh, in an hour, I'm godly at it like i just needed to shake the rust off and now i'm beating the highest score ever like you're absolutely right in that like he he just did not have flaws basically yeah. like there's nothing even his plan at the end where he shaved his eyebrows <laughs> and lubed himself up and you know did that whole thing and became I, an indentured servant yeah like which is which honestly like that in itself could have been good it reminded me of, like that black mirror episode or something like that where like that could have been more on that but he just and like oh this is something that just remind me like wait he just like hates everyone like in the indentured servant part he just like sees a bunch oh, of like yeah. indentured students and just like immediately hates them he's like it's like you know how this happens like he just <laughs> dislikes everybody every group of people anytime he like encounters a group of people who makes a jar a large like judgment on them mm -hmm. and then that's it and then and then he moves on to like how he's better than them because of whatever yeah, because he knows yeah. because he knows I, he doesn't, not even <laughs> it's not even eighties that he's. I know, I know. Uh, so, Rob, what did you think of Wade? Can't decide. Like, I I liked him and I didn't like him. Uh, he's not superficial about his interests. He does seem to be passionate. He's dedicated. He's motivated. But those are kind of the only compliments I have. Like my problem with this character, and we've been taught we've been we've been going around this for this whole time so far so it's not going to surprise anybody when i say this it's just it seems to me like he is used by ernest klein as a device for the reader to self-insert and for no other reason it seems like parzival is just a little bit of everything from every possible fan i feel like klein was he was trying to cast a net as wide as a ocean to, to cover this character and it just felt really obvious it was a little hard to lose myself in a character that the author is trying to get you to like every 15 seconds. And I, I was, I was getting bored eventually. I was yeah, like, okay, it's, it's how he views him wants himself to be. It's, like that's... It, it's that. And it's a combination thing where um, there's a little bit of like master chief syndrome going on. The reason why yeah. it's really hard to describe Wade as a person is because he's intentionally left as a blank slate. So he has a couple of identifying characteristics. You know, he's a, a 
not super attractive, slightly overweight, oh my God. reclusive he makes, nerd. Like, he makes himself to sound repulsive, which is like, that's, yeah. oh. And then it's like, okay, so it's going to be easy for a lot of the kind of people who were super nerdy, you know, when as kids, a lot of them are probably going to identify with one or more of those characteristics. You know, wasn't good at making friends, got really, really into nerd stuff, you know, was bullied in school. Like, you have these basic identifiers that are going to be widely sympathetic for for the intended audience of this book. And then he doesn't have a whole lot else to him, so it's easy for the reader to imagine themselves in Wade's shoes. Yeah, but see, that leads to another problem for me, though, because this makes me question the one thing that I started to level with Pars of Alon, which is this his his idea of religion and how Ernest Klein used religion as some sort of catalyst for 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 P's like distrust in just authority in general and in just the big picture in general. But then when when every single little thing about this character is trying to be as relatable as possible for the reader, I, even the things that I that I like or the things that I thought were very human still I mean, it, it makes me question them. It makes me skeptical about the fact that I level with him at all because i just know it, it's kind of pointless that there's no real meaning to it because everybody's going to find something about this character that they find relatable it's just it's too superficial for me one thing that i did find helped is like i decided to view him as an unreliable narrator like i don't like i'm viewing like he's telling this story mm -hmm. i think and i just think he's lying like he portrayed himself too well he didn't help on a lot of like some of the tasks if there was more than just him there I think maybe he's giving himself too much credit, and and I don't know. It's, I like that. In no, in, in no sense was it remotely alluded to at all, but like it, it helped me view it as just like this is him telling a story to uh -huh. like I don't know his kids that make him look well, good. And it clearly is him like relaying the story after the fact because there are some asides. Yeah, the asides where yeah. where he's like you know years later I would find out this about this you know set of circumstances and like. And, but I, I like the idea of reading it from that lens of an unreliable narrator. Like that, that brings complexity to his character that is otherwise just not there. Yeah. I don't think it was intended, but I, I like reading it. I liked reading it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There, there's one, like every, every other character is kind of a cliche in that sense. There's one, like just based on the lack of information we get that I think is kind of fun to talk about. And that's actually James Halliday. I think there's more to discuss on him because yeah. like it's just all through like legendary legends the, passed the down. best character in the book and he's not even really not present. even <laughs> yeah I mean it's just like because I, I honestly I like the dynamic of like he's just really hung up on this girl that you yeah. know his best friend has and his best friend like like his best friend essentially acknowledges that you know you loved her I loved her too and I'm sorry like the the rift is there like that in and of itself could have been a more interesting story just yeah. it's just it is it kind of gets glossed over but like james halliday's a little bit more of a tragic like obsessive clearly some on some level of the spectrum oh like, definitely yeah yeah, yeah. Know, i think that's a more interesting story there and he's mm -hmm. the only character that like i have any sort of like sympathetic feelings for i guess he did he comes across as an asshole oh, like definitely. james halliday is a giant douche but like i kind of get it as far as like He's like James Halliday is like the focus of nerd culture that make like that is that is detrimental and bad. Like you can focus on you can idealize a person or a woman in a lot of cliches that make it 
and and then he he obsessed over her and he got like you hear about that a lot it's like a negative stereotype that i think honestly i think he, he they wrote in he wrote into this book not intentionally writing in some of the stereotypes mm -hmm. and i i found that more interesting like what he was unintentionally writing in with james james halliday is like the negative stare like he didn't put any of them on wade he unintentionally put them on james halliday who is the guy that wade watts worships yeah. and he's worshiping these negative stereotypes about a person yeah, yeah. it's it, it's interesting you brought up stereotypes oh sorry rob did you I was, uh, on, on the subject of halliday real quick i was gonna remember i was gonna ask uh, uh correct me if i'm wrong um but i thought the movie and I only saw it once. Played a, it, it centered a little more of the conflict and 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 everything around James Halliday and his obsession, or I should say, his love for Ogden's wife. With I think her name was Karen. I can't Kira. remember her name. Kira. Yeah, Kira. Kira. I think. I, I, thanks for saying Ogden. I forgot the friend's name. That's what I said. Best yeah, friend. Ogden Morrow. <laughs> yeah, Ogden. Uh, I forget his last name. That's a cool. I will give. I, I like the name Ogden Morrow. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a cool name. I think the movie made her a more central plot point to like figuring out. Uh, James Halliday's past and like the that final that was one of the puzzles I remember though, like correctly to, uh, figure out her name yeah, yeah and had to go to like yeah yeah right 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 yeah I mean it's, it is something we could completely tangent talk about like the puzzles themselves were just awful hmm. it's just like play joust reenact a movie play another video game i think at some tempest. point yeah tempest and then like reenact like, another movie reenact another movie play another video play game. another video game like it's not play like a fourth video game yeah, it's not even like it's not a puzzle it's not it's just like here's my favorite video game. and like joust <laughs> come on it's the worst game oh my god just make it the et game and at least that would be kind of funny because it's a terrible game yeah, I can't say I know most of these games. I, 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 my first generation was the Sony PlayStation. That's that's as young as I go. <laughs> you, you, dirty young slut. I know, <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I don't Same know a lot the of smile. these games either. But that was more because like my parents were super like anti-video game growing up. Like I didn't have a, a video game console until I was in college and bought an Xbox 360. Yeah. Oh I, my I had god! To look up the, the last, the the final game challenge. I had to look it up and see it because I, I had never heard. Of, I know Joust. That was the the side scroller that got turned into like a 3D first person yeah. dungeon. Yeah. yeah, like Joust. I, Joust I've done in like barcades out here now. Like yeah. that's around, yeah. but yeah, the one it's like pan like Panther or something. I forgot the Black Tiger. Black Tiger. Yeah, like yeah. I I had to look that one up. I had no idea what that one was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was like four or five years old, about four years old. You know, my my dad had bought a Turbo Graphics, and I remember playing that thing like for for hours. And I don't remember any of the names of those games. But Crash Bandicoot, I would say, would be like my seminal video game start, like starting in my life, and that's you know a whole gener two generations probably past what a lot of these are. NFL so. well, Blitz, right See, here. See, for me, it's like Age of Empires, Starcraft. Oh yes, ah, oh, the, the original. I had growing up was yeah. a computer. The original. Yes. Warcraft, I, I did some. Oh, yeah. You guys ever played Total? You ever played Total Annihilation in the early nineties? Like, no, that one was amazing. No. Like the first strategy game. It's like a cave dog. They went under, but like. Someone they, they they're still doing oh, like man. mods the, for the it. art of whatever. strategy games has been lost. Like I I go back yeah the the like the holy trinity for me were Age of Empires two 
Starcraft Brood War and Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Oh, like, Age of Mythology? Oh, that was mine. Heroes of Might and Magic 3, like, I still play that game to this day. That came out in 1998. I, those are all great. It's still one of the best video games let's, ever. Let's not dismiss. There's, like, a, an entire tier of games just slightly below those in, from that time period. They're oh, all yeah. Command amazing. and Conquer. Like, you know, there is. I said, I put Total Annihilation in there. I put, like, yeah. God, there's Battle Realms, like, a weird, like, like really. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, like uh, just a ton of young, older ones that are. Oh. Now, I think everything is if, either if, MMORPG maybe, or maybe first person if, Maybe if you made the game more nostalgic and like like 90s, 80s, 90s, or 90s video games about strategy video games, I would have probably loved this book. But, you know. I, I mean, I, I may have been more engaged with some of the trivia, but I still like the way he goes about presenting the trivia was just so condescending. It was like specifically written for people to recognize the references and then he goes on to explain the references in painstaking detail it's like pick pick a lane i mean these aren't <laughs> even like they're not even like that like obscure references of 80s no. like, culture it's like i mean he he doesn't i he doesn't even go into like D D really or anything like he that he mentions it a couple times, times. Like, times. yeah Gary Gygax gets some like shout outs and... but it, it's like yeah Mo monty python Everyone <laughs> loves that's not like in an 80 that's not even an obscure thing. I don't know. I was waiting I for just, hamsters like, and elderberries myself and I was yeah. disappointed. I I, yeah. sli I slightly checked out like as soon as I realized they were reenacting the um the war games movie. I was like, "What is yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that one. That's on my list now actually because of this I put well, it down on my list. It's fine. I don't know why it's like a paragon of 80s movies. It's not that's the thing. It's supposed to be James Halliday. It's all about James Halliday. Yeah, it's not about yeah, really yeah. the uh, genre. It's about his place and what he likes. It's which is like, him. him. <laughs> so we, we should get back to characters. Yeah, you're um, right. and, and I wanted to like uh, kind of revert back to that thing you brought up about stereotypes. And and the next characters I wanted to talk about were uh, Dido and Shoto, oh who are just like the most cardboard cutout Japanese Japanese honor. They don't stereotypes. Even, yeah, they don't like, even do anything else. They're just like the there. entire personality is honor and revenge. I don't know. I like I like learning that they weren't actually brothers. That really struck a chord with me. I was like, oh, because I have you know I have friends sure. that are like that. You know, like, Drew, you're one of them. But the fact that you, been more you never even get to see brothers. that dynamic though, because you only find out about that after one of them's already dead. That was another thing that was like, yeah, I think it was supposed to make that a little heavier, but it like, might like have when, when he's telling Wade about. Uh, it was Dido who who got killed, right? Yeah, yeah, Dido yeah. got killed. When he's the telling him about the death, and and Wade's like, "Well, are you sure he didn't commit suicide?" And he's like, "He definitely didn't commit seppuku." It's so, like he actually said seppuku. He said seppuku. I'm like, oh, this is, like, I didn't know. This doesn't even make totally sense. unnecessary and nonsensical things. Like, like just you're you're just using recognizable Japanese words. Which aren't even correct, because Seppuka <laughs> is like specifically or stabbing katana, himself. Right? Like or yeah, samurai, right? yeah. And evisceration. Yeah. So, it, I didn't so... derail. There's so many things that every time, like, like, yeah, why even make that reference? Like, it's not... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, it, it really drove home how much of just like a cultural stereotype those characters were, rather than actually being round, dynamic. It's characters it's a little bit of like what I, I thought i was saying like where like he unintentionally puts in the negative stereotypes of nerd words like japanese culture worship on mm -hmm. these characters where it's like he gives them he he they have no flaws like, mm -hmm. like there's nothing about their characters that are bad or wrong they're just they show up there and then one and like he uses one as like 
a body count that we're supposed to be sad about, even though there's been like two scenes with them right. in the entire book. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, you know, moving on from there, I, I already touched on, you know, a little bit with H, like how uh, I'll say H actually has personality. Like she is a, a human being the way Dido and Shota weren't it's true. real human he, beings, he, he, but, but she's still like, he, he was writing this book and was like, Oh, well, I need a black character H. Well, I need a, I need a lesbian character H. I need a, you know, like, <laughs> I need a female character H like you, you just like, let's, let's make one character check off all the minority boxes and that way I can just write a bunch of and he says that like white mo- men. <laughs> I mean that this is that's his only like really sad attempt at like subverting a trope too. Like multiple times he's like talking to Artemis or H or anyone else. He's yeah. like, this could be like I forgot, like a fat dude named Gary in his basement, like or something or like that. Chuck, yeah. Yeah, or Chuck, yeah. It's like in his mom's basement. Like, they made Artemis actually like a fat dude named Chuck. That would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. Yeah, so there were there were two <laughs> twists that uh, I was hoping for. And, and neither of them came through. One of them, I was really hoping Artemis was going to be a dude, and I was really? hoping Ogden was going to betray them. And neither of them happened. Uh, and but as soon as it became very clear that Artemis was not actually a dude and and was going to be an attractive young girl, I was like, okay, well then H is going to be the twist because there there has to be a twist with like the online persona. He's he's mentioned the possibility so many times about a character not being the gender they present themselves online and never and like uh, yeah that but, never like, happens. i mean it happened with h but like it's but, not but so it was like as soon as it became clear artemis was a girl i was like h is definitely a girl yeah like, like they he, yeah. he tried so hard to to like set up this expectation of guys be, pretending to be girls online which is a very real phenomenon in gaming yeah yep but as soon as like the obvious candidate didn't, you know, didn't pan out, I was like, oh, he's he's playing a twist on this idea, and H is going to be a girl, and and then when you know they're going to meet, and and H is like ignoring him, you know, you might be surprised. I was like, yeah, definitely a girl. <laughs> I, I like. I want to go back. Like, I like your idea of. I didn't even think about Ogden betraying them. That would have been. Oh, I didn't awesome. trust that guy. That, that would have been great. I I no, he's just super did not nice trust that guy I until until Wade actually had the egg in his hand, and I was like, huh, really? Okay. Yeah, like normally was, I'm really sus about these. Exactly things. that yeah. like type of avuncular, like old protective guy who it's really easy to trust, but he's also this like super rich, smart businessman, and I was like, oh. He's going to screw them over so he can take over, you know, or he's going to try to screw it over so he can take over the whole empire that he only owned, owned half of at his peak. And, uh, and, and then it just never happened. I was like, oh, darn. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I didn't get that at all. That's not even, that even, I didn't even conceive of that. And normally I'm really sus about characters like this. I'm the first one to say, I don't trust this person. They're too nice. They're yeah. Too yeah normally you're way more suspicious than I am. <laughs> yeah, I did even occur to me this time. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. About I'm, I'm blanking on his name because I've been drinking beer, but like the the evil corporate guy, Sorrento. 
Sorrento. So Sorrento yeah. Like. yeah, okay. So um, <laughs> he's probably the biggest complaint I have about this book. I get that IOI is supposed to be this faceless, evil corporate entity that wants to take away everyone's enjoyment and ability to enjoy anything as gamers and readers. But Sorrento is just, he's everything evil and competent and threatening in one faceless sort of character. I mean, can either of you, I challenge either of you, maybe now, Rob Winchell, since you've read book two, you could do this for me. Can you name anyone else that works at IOI by name? Anyone? Oh, I mean Wade. Uh, no, no. Um, Wade works there. <laughs> the the <laughs> one, the one dude, the dude with the clipboard who came to arrest him wasn't his name Wilson. Dude with the clipboard came to arrest him. I, I mean, you like, might have a point there. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to say that. No, has I think to be, he would be one of the only. Like, I think they named uh, like one of the tech guys when R Wade was indentured, like Tom or something like that. But other than that, like. I'm Nobody gets the news. Yeah, it's, it's just like it's like the, those chapters where Wade's indentured could have been so more interesting. But it's, yeah. they're like they're like it's like three pages, and he like gives away his master plan. He just like buys well, like let me tell me like okay. buys secret codes to get access. I'll tell you why that you're like, like sorry, I, I'm going slightly off track, and I got to get off my chest before we go back to Sorrento. It's <laughs> like it's like he makes a point in establishing earlier on. They're like IOI is monitoring like auctions. And things like that, like high auctions. And then he later says in the book when he's doing his whole covert op, he just buys on auction all these passwords for IOI to get. So I will say like, with that, the auctions he says IOI is monitoring are the like in Oasis artifact auctions. And he bought the IOI codes in the like black off a of black market website, like Deep Web. And that's like that, like. That leads me into another tangent of the fact that he's invincible. Was like up until this point, it's never established he's a good hacker. He doesn't do any hacking, but then during that whole thing, he's just doing a bunch of like keyboard magic and just hacking. Yeah. And then yeah, from the console gets, in his room, gets in and just yeah, he just has it. Like he's never established he can hack anything. And like, did he did he practice? In between his like billions of hours of watching eighties <laughs> movies, like when is he? When did he learn to do this? Yeah, he's. I, I I get. I do. I'm I'm absolutely there with you. I I absolutely one hundred percent agree. I'll tell you why that whole infiltration scene pissed me off because there were so many moments, so many moments where like I'm supposed to believe that this seventeen year old or however old he is, he's just capable of intentionally getting himself enslaved by the largest and most powerful and richest corporation in the world. And then he can just take it down brick by brick or hack by hack and then not escape only with his life, but he escapes with all the extra information he needs to help him save the day and to put the bad guys behind bars. There's just so he many times when circumstances back him into the corner and we're like, oh, oh, he's screwed now. I, I it's like, luckily, before yeah. I got into the situation, I had prepared for it earlier and conveniently off screen to make for a more dramatic retelling of the story. And I'm like, couldn't have led with that. Yeah, I mean, and I agree. Like, and I think it could have been so much better if they just like extended the timeline. Like the entire scene takes place over like five, uh, no, it's I like three it's, days. I think it's eight days. Eight days. Like if they were like, I you are, if, if he's like, he's in this for like six months, if he's like, in trying to infiltrate this company he's there he's like making friends he's integrating six months like if they even like were bold enough to be like he's in this for a year and like not talking to anyone really integrated deep cover it in my head it would have made a lot more sense yeah yeah but this is like yeah it's like a week it takes them a week to destroy this company yeah are, are there any more like characters we want to talk about i, I feel like 
Oh, I mean, there's just I, like I, not a lot yeah, to oh, say about like, so many yeah, of them. Like, there's one like there's like one scene in the beginning where there's like the old lady that he's like she's like nice oh, to me yeah. and stuff. Oh. And then like it says that she like then IOI murders everyone. Yeah. He finds her robe, doesn't bother like confirming she's actually dead, and then just moves on. Like doesn't care. It's like he he doesn't he doesn't actually care about any of them. I don't know. Or it's not. It's like yeah. a small little character thing. Like. Which is completely overlooked. And yeah, there's there's not a lot to talk about these characters. Nobody has an arc. No, like not really. Nobody like changes. The, the closest thing there is to a character arc is is with Artemis, That's... where like at the end she's okay with showing him her face. Is, yeah, like, that's like, the most shallow, basic character arc I, ever. I was manic pixie dream shit. And, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, with it's it, it just like what it comes down to is that this isn't. This isn't literature. Like, no, this is fan fiction. Like, this is fan fiction, man. This is that's not net as wide as the ocean. It's just it's for everyone, everywhere, in every little possible way. And then, yeah, I don't even think it's for everyone. It's just, it's just like sorry, everyone of a certain age. We we hit peak eighties nostalgia. There's like, like this is the peak. It's like you got, I don't know, you got Stranger Things. You have a bunch of other stuff, and then like this is it. Like this is literally just a book. Where we're listing references to 80s and early 90s, and then that's yeah. that's it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you brought up Artemis, Drew, because that she was my last character point, and I wanted to compliment her character in some way. And she didn't say that she feels human. Her shtick, you know, the whole being an otherwise attractive girl, but with a big blotchy birthmark on her face, predictable. Yeah, uh, but. I think Klein managed to make it feel organic in a way that some of the other characters, or I should say none of the other characters really did for me. I noticed this when, when, when Parzival infiltrated IOI and he was sending the warnings to the other five in the, but the files that they have on them. And as soon as we see, or he sees Artemis's or Sam's picture and he sends it to her, I had a bit of a cringe in that moment. I'm going, Oh, this is going to be a real personal thing for her though. And the literal next time she sees him, she's emotional. She's snapping at him. Like even H has to call her out on it. Like, hey, listen, he saved your life. But I'm there in the moment kind of saying, yeah, you tell him, Artemis. Like, I, I fully get that Parzival saved your life with that move. Oh, she's way, she, she was way better than, than yeah. Artemis. Like, yeah. like but, Artemis but, needed to end up after this book alone. I understand like, the emotional state. Artemis, sorry, Wade needed to end up alone. Artemis was like, Artemis was like, nah, you're kind of weird, man. You're, you're a little bit clingy. Like he says in the first like 70 pages that he uh, actively jerked off to her profile. Well, multiple times he, he like straight up tells her i've been like he's i think the term is like i was a I, i'm a super cyber stalker yeah i've no, been i've been stalking you since your blog started it's like yeah, it's not even that like how the, how is that like at all romantic in, in, the, like, in, the first, in the first no like this is this is one of the asides you were talking about like in the first few set like 100 pages he's like i download i downloaded her avatar and then, like, there's like a like oh. wink, there's like a wink. He's he does like a wink, wink away. He's like, oh, you jacked off to her pictures. That's right, you weirdo. I like, don't even that's remember. That's what you're literally saying. Totally forgot about that. Yeah, like oh I was like, yeah, God. you're. He's a he's he's weird, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, he, don't, I don't even remember this. I got. I mean, it's it stood up like obviously jack off references stand up to me, <laughs> which, is, which is why I really like when. Let me know when we can. I want to talk about. I think it's chapter 17. I made note of it. 
where he literally talks about shaving his body and jacking and off. That'll be in his thing. miscellaneous scenes. That seems, that seems like him. a miscellaneous but, uh, scene. That but, we're not going to make one of your top three. I just interject here and, and say, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Winchell. Okay. <laughs> yes. In case, oh, ladies. in case you haven't if any, if, any, to... if any of you ladies have weird birthmarks on your face, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't bother me, apparently. <laughs> and are just, as Hi, he added, to, to quote Wade Watts, you're all curves. You know, uh, because that's apparently uh, what that's that's actually how he described Artemis yeah. all curves, just like and then he calls her Rubenesque at oh, one Jesus point. And I was like, wow, <laughs> but but no, uh, yeah, if if uh, if you haven't listened to our Wheel of Time episodes, specifically the, the two episodes covering the Great Hunt, uh, Rob Winchell was a special guest on those, and and uh. They were equally boisterous. Oh, I'm right. maintaining that loyal and the loyal, loyal is my favorite ship character. That's right. You were there for the asshole conversation. I totally forgot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we set, we set a, an asshole record for like number of times in like 15 seconds saying the word. No, I think it was like oh, a yeah, straight minute and a half. We were just, the asshole in I think it was. No, it wasn't. No, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. No, it was at the beginning of the book. Um. Yeah, yeah it, it was, he was going around just being an asshole to everybody. No, no, it, trying to drive them away. That's true. That this was is a that whole was bunch of spoilers. Right. Like we'll be bleeping a lot of this. That's but. true. That was the one asshole. But no, is the uh, God, why am I? Because again, <laughs> I've been drinking and I'm silly drink. It was the the guy who you know was secretly betraying them the whole time. Why am I blanking his name? Uh, in the car is an asshole. I maintain oh, well, we, we did shit. have that conversation as well because I'm a huge. Fan and and you were, I'm, I'm, you well, were I'm, very upset. I'm not that that like, was like I'm my saying he, scene of the book. he's a good he's a great character. Unlike <laughs> any of these, like I am saying he's an asshole. Yeah, I yeah. love his character though. Like that's that's the difference of writing between these books. Like I yeah, can, you yeah, can I mean, like assholes. Like it's you honestly can this is a great it. point to bring up. Like the difference in character development between an author like Robert Jordan and Ernest Klein is shocking. They're not even the same category. Like, <laughs> like it's not. Where, where oh. even like minor side characters, like tertiary tier characters who are only in like a couple chapters of one book are more solidly developed, yes. more dynamic, more compelling than the main character in this book. Like very well developed. I think he's an, a he's an asshole, but like he is a great character. Yeah. Like, like, like there's, I can't say the same thing about any here. Like, no. like, uh, I, I can't. Yeah, but, there isn't one. But shall, shall we move to miscellaneous points then? I, I think we're about yep. done with characters. Yeah. So I, I want to lead off and just say I part of the reason I really, really struggled with this book is that I've read several books recently that are all just like this. We just covered Rage of Dragons, Sorry and then that. and then uh, uh, last week, sort of. On a whim, I, I decided to pick up Unsold, the first Cradle book, and I was convinced by some uh, friends to live tweet my reading of it, which you can find on our Twitter account at IOL Podcast. Um, hope you don't like Cradle because wow, did I go in on that book? Um, it, it, this sort of like progression, super shallow main character who's mostly there as like an idealized self insert, like. Reading three of these books in quick succession took a freaking toll on me Sounds as a reader. Sounds exhausting. I I cannot wait to get back to the gap cycle. <laughs> I'm I'm like like the it's like this whiplash effect where I've 
the pendulum has swung so far over into this like shallow progression fantasy, poorly written, very clearly just like an author trying to appeal to a wide audience and make some money that I'm like, I need to go read some Gene Wolfe, man. Like, <laughs> I, I, I I agree completely. Like okay. after I did a reread of this, I I immediately I did I did some I, I just finished did the new a new Neil Gaiman book that I yeah read. yeah there you like go. just like because that I mean that guy writes characters like well and I don't great. know if you've ever read Gene Wolfe, but Neil Gaiman was basically Gene Wolfe's protege. Like, I, I yeah. don't think I have, and I'm yeah. I'm going to now because I need like a oh, palate cleanser. So so good. The uh, uh, Gaiman Gaiman's on the record as um, before Wolf died uh, two years ago um, uh, was on the record as saying Gene Wolf was the greatest writer of the English language alive. Fair. Well, I mean that that's enough already. <laughs> I mean your recommendation was enough, but that on top because I honestly yeah. probably view Neil Gaiman as probably my personal favorite living writer right now. So. I mean he's he's a brilliant pro stylist and oh Ernest, he's great. Ernest Klein is so not great. not that. No, he's, <laughs> there's no like writing attribute I give Ernest Klein credit for other than like cliches. I have, guess. Have like, you read Armada? Have either? No, read I'm not. Re- I, 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 I'm tapping out after Ready Player Two. Yeah. Like I'm done. I, I'm not I, reading Armada. I, I posted on a, a Discord server uh, about just some basic thoughts after I finished this book. And the first reply I got was don't read Armada. Like, like that was, but was Armada before ready? Play I think one? it was after. I'm pretty sure this was his first book. I mean, I think this is, I think it says it in the uh, book itself. I was thinking about like one of the few things like that. It, it's another one of like, you just got to read between the lines of like unintentional cliches. Like the only things besides when he's talking about like, 80s references we don't care about the only things he gets like descriptive is when he's talking about like self-deprecating repulsiveness like when he's talking about wade watts his own character he describes himself as like really gross and then he's talking about like yeah yeah he's talking about um god i'm so drunk the uh the the (laughs) the science like the guy that he worships halliday halliday like when he describes halliday he sounds disgusting like when he's when he's describing himself and and then like again I'm going back to chapter 17 like when he's describing how he shaved his body and lubed himself up and put himself in he's like he describes himself as just absolutely disgusting like he just really hates himself yeah like that that sequence in his like room in uh in Ohio yeah it was very strange like so we we've been reading the gap cycle um, uh, covering the gap cycle by Stephen R. Donaldson on other podcast, and there were aspects of that scene that reminded me a little bit of Morn Highland, and, and like how she is acclimating herself to her quarters on Captain's Fancy, and then it just like went way into left field when he starts like in in a random aside, he's like, oh, and by the way, I'm completely hairless now. Yeah. Like I programmed my shower to mix in like this serum that melts the hair off you. Like, like, like his shower is pouring nair on him. Just so he like, can <laughs> slip into his jack off suit easier. Like <laughs> it was Jesus. very weird. Like well, I mean, very weird. Oh my very god. Fast. It, like it doesn't even make sense in this book. Like when he was talking about like the suit itself, he's describing how like uh, like it's not even that good. Like he was talking, I think it was getting shot or something 
or he was like taking a shower or something in the Oasis. And he described it as like someone like just like tapping his back in the suit. It's like, it wasn't even very like a good suit. Well, or, no, or that that suit was when he like had all the money and he got this super high level like teched out gear. But he did mention that it was like um, even a, like getting shot by a gun just felt like a light punch. But like, why do you even like, want that? Like, why do you want like like why do you want to feel the pain of getting like? So honestly, this is some acts of Kane right here. Yeah, like, you're, you're right. Like, well, actually, it make like he makes it make sense in Out of Game. Like, he, they're doing it like for the people watching it for the yeah, experience. Yeah. It's not for them themselves. Like this, there's it's just, this is like in the Oasis. It's just a personal thing. Like, mm -hmm. why do you want to feel like you got shot? Yeah, you could get because a suit that doesn't give you the sensation at all. Yeah, yeah you could like, be like, or, or like a flip it on. Like he doesn't say that you can flip it on and off. Like yeah, I'm about to true, go to the week long brothel, which he does do. <laughs> flip it on. I like, feel like, like I'm yeah. going to the PVP area. Flip it off. Like the, the market, the market for it in Kane, though the people who are paying for it to experience it in Kane would be the people who would be playing it though in Ready Player One. Absolutely, yeah. but that's Absolutely. not. They're not selling experiences in Ready Player One, so you know, like you're just no, buying it I for your they, own. I mean, in a different way, they are. It's it's like in in Kane, it's vicarious experience. You're right, and here it's like self. It's simulated experience. for his purposes i don't understand why he would yeah buy it. yeah no I, i'm with you i'm with you there like yeah i mean this is a whole side thing of how graphic like i think ernest klein hates himself and i think it comes through <laughs> in a lot of like things he's unintentional like how he worships halliday who is a terrible person how he describes wade wade himself as like a repulsive human being Who's pretty clearly an author self-insert. Yeah. And, and like he unintentionally described like, or intentionally describes him as awful and just like, just everything else is superficial. I think yeah, deep yeah. down you can find that this guy just doesn't, he's got some self image issues. I think he's got to work through before he tries, yeah. <laughs> tries some more writing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob, do you have any miscellaneous points? Um, let's say here, I, I just wanted to bring up a real quick point that I thought, and then this is probably pretty obvious or not going to come as a surprise to anyone, but the movie was a lot more family friendly than the book was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I only saw the movie once, but, and it was a couple of years ago, but I, like, I don't remember the, the ant being unlikable at all in the movie. And I mean, it definitely didn't get so dark as to describe what she does for a living and what she does in the trailer and how he has to wear headphones while she's working and stuff yeah. like that. Like, on, the, on the movie, like on the movie, like I like every change Spielberg made, like, <laughs> like I don't want to watch yeah. him play joust against someone like as a challenge or I don't want to watch him reenact. Oh, did they not have joust in the movie? No, no. Like they make it a oh. race, like an impossible okay. race. Okay. Which right. way more yes. cinematic. Yeah. 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 He didn't, have to, he didn't have to reenact any movies because you know, they don't want to de-age Matthew Broderick. Like, you know, I, I, I like, uh, I, I'm actually interested in watching the movie. You need to watch that movie. It, it may be one of the best movies i've seen in the past 10 years you have like 20, wow. have have like 20 milligrams of not, non not my i thing. mean not, or, not my or, thing. or just have listen just do the canadian way and light a joint oh, or I, something. I will certainly have like, have a couple of drinks before i watch if that you watch it because... in an, it's, it's like watching a fast and like, no it's it's way worse than any fast and furious no movie, actually no it is way worse than any of them no I, worse I than this, fast and furious I so I'm saying this because I love the Fast and Furious <laughs> oh, movies, no. and I will defend the hell out of them <laughs> in every concept. But they're like, so bad. They're oh, like man. they are, the and first they love one it. Was okay. 
Yeah, and no, like, just went, all right, we're going to get into a Fast and Furious tangent <laughs> right now. It's happening. Oh. Yeah, the first one starts with them literally stealing VCR DVD combinations from semis. Yeah. 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 And then the latest one literally ends with them fighting a cyborg to save the world. Like name a movie, <laughs> name a movie like franchise that has that level of amazing escalation. Like Marvel movies can't even match that. It's like they start like a guy. A, a, a truck driver with a shotgun yeah, almost yeah. ends all of them in the first one. Yeah, yeah. And then like Idris Elba is a cyborg in the latest one. In the previous What he's in fast yes, oh. Yes. oh yeah. Idris, Academy Award winning Helen Mirren and Charlize <laughs> Theron are in like three of them and in the newest one. And like in the newest one, they're in space. They're flying cars in space. Like name like and then they bring in the rock. They bring in yeah, John do, John do. John Cena's in the new one. No. Yes. Yes. They so have they're John just Cena? getting every like giant buff dude. Has Arnold been in any of them? No, no, he's he hasn't. I think he's retired from acting. Actually, uh, like it's like as much as I, I would love it. Like all they right, just well, get all the buff bald dudes yeah. as, they kill, like, as, as many as they can. All the buff bald dudes. Oh yeah. my god! Like I said, it's just oh, like I don't god. I don't love them as like so I love I love them as like escalation and ridiculous. And they have like they all have like practical effects like. There's one where they're like oh, dropping cars out of like dropping cars out of planes with parachutes, and they actually did that, and it's amazing. It's like why I love what's like why the Mission Impossible movies are good, but without Scientology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's great. Uh, I, I, oh, I will defend man. the Fast and Furious movies forever. Like, oh, they bring uh, they keep killing people off, but then bringing them back as friends. Listen, and like, how is it that Vin Diesel's character has a brother whom we haven't met until? I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to go to the theater and find like, out. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but so, yeah, Ready Player One. Miscellaneous back, points back, back, on back. Ready Player One. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, chapter uh, 15 had this moment that kind of pissed me off. When they're all okay. signing off, after having met in H's room for the first time, them being the five, you know. And this yeah, yeah. whole stack of comic books just randomly falls over. And it's like, yeah, oh. huh, that was weird. I bet that's nothing. Goodbye, everybody. And I'm just, what are we just going to gloss over that? and they yeah. did yeah right like that's just not not uh like okay we've we've talked a lot about foreshadowing and and how many authors we've covered on this podcast robert jordan brandon sanderson like known for their deft foreshadowing this is the opposite of that <laughs> i had that that was actually my first point about artemis and i just didn't say it at the time but yeah, that was like as soon as he starts talking about following this this girl on this blog this kind of this minor celebrity and how he's like she she would never notice him or something like that i was like okay well i wonder where this is going so it's like you're right the foreshadowing is not foreshadowing it's just like a big blazing neon sign that says yeah. do you think he ever told her that he jacked off to her avatar oh, like you think he did all right i'm done all right. From this point on, I'm not mentioning <laughs> jacking up <laughs> anymore. Like this I'm is like, gonna be like the asshole the conversation, but on the, the other end, stood out to me. Yeah, no, I, I understand is, it. My like, point is, like, it was weird. Like it, it really was. Like a, I mean, he had the whole like aside. Sorry, I'm gonna continue the jacking off thing now. He had this whole aside of like uh, Halliday has this theory of humanity that masturbation is the reason we've developed technology oh my god yes like oh my god i I completely (laughs) forgot about that where he's going through like the legends of like science he's like albert einstein he's like even mary curie jacked off he's like what oh my god (laughs) 
fuck is that? Did you, did you catch? Who writes that? The, the euphemism. You gotta respect the balls, though. With Marie Curie, the uh, euphemism, what was the euphemism to describe her. Oh God. Was flicking the bean. She wasn't. discovered the little man in the Jesus. Oh, Christ. Christ. <laughs> That's right. No way. I forgot. Oh I, my God. I, my brain burps. I, I until you said it, I was like, put oh my God. book down and cringed. Jesus, I would have thrown. That like, I can't believe I forgot about that. Like, oh, oh my God. How did you not like throw the book across the room? Just like, oh my God. It, it, like nobody. Because my yeah, reader, it's all my like, books. Albert Einstein, Mary Curie, like there's some, there's others, but it's yikes, just just huge just, yikes. Oh, I forgot about. I like <laughs> until you mentioned, like you awoke in a latent memory in myself. Oh, we, I can hear that moment when that light bulb just turned on. Remember where he like a likened Halliday to who? Let's be honest here, like Halliday collapsed society with this game. Right. We're not giving any other reason otherwise. And it's like, yeah. He's up there with Einstein and Mary Curie, you know. The, but and then and, and but by the yeah, way, they all jack, they all they yeah. all they all just <laughs> jerked off everywhere. But and, and the whole uh, the whole like logic behind that there, where he's like, the nerds, the really smart people, can't get any from the opposite sex, so they had to jack off to clear their minds so they could invent. <sighs> I was like, oh, this is this goes wow. this goes to the poetry that I sent you, like. <laughs> This rings of the author just like yeah, like this insecurity. This, guy, this like, guy's got he some. Hate, he hates himself, man. Some repressed. Ernest Fine uh, hates himself. I'm yeah, I'm yeah, discovering like, this like you just like. Oh, all right, is, okay. That's like like other hour and a half long Ernest Fine. All right, Rob. Other Rob. Read read his read his poetry. Like Google. I'm gonna have Google to. Ernest Fine poetry. How can I not now? To go. Like it's, um, it's super cringy. Do I have to make damn sure my mom doesn't listen to this episode? She just texted me like two weeks ago, said she was starting to listen. I'm like, ah, maybe skip this one. Start at the beginning, <laughs> and then like she'll she'll tape Rob a little no, bit. Be like, straight up, she started with the first Gap Cycle book. Oh. I was like, oh no, oh, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> like, not a good one. Can you guys just label this one like NSFW? Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. I apologize. Oh, every every it's like oh, all three good, times. my man. We I mean, go I, everywhere. I love she brings a new element to Icky uh, Out Loud. Just semen. <laughs> climb the highest mountains. The elements of semen. Oh, God. Go through the deepest valleys. Uh, I mean, and in Mary Curie's case, you know. Oh. I didn't say it. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not, we're talking about the book that mentions it. It's like, ugh. Hmm. You know what? Uh, you know what I'm reference? Sorry, okay. All right, all right. different editor. miscellaneous points. You know a reference that I, <laughs> that I liked about, now? Nothing about ejaculate. <laughs> oh, at all. A reference that I liked. Okay. Uh, the, yeah, that's fine. Because I, it was not explained. Simply because it was not explained. And don't call me Shirley. Wasn't that like two sentences after he talked about watching airplane though? Was it? Don't ruin that for me. Was it? I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, We're not no. going to ruin it for you. Oh, no. Well, maybe that, I'll take that one back then. I'll have to go back and check. <laughs> but, but look, It's look, also look, not look. an 80s reference, by the way. Airplane, 90s movie. Airplane, still one of the funniest movies I've ever oh, seen. Oh, it's a great oh, movie. I love Leslie. Not an 80s Leslie. movie, I don't believe. Oh, uh, I, I don't know when it yeah, came out. But, Let's uh, see here. So I, I have a reference miscellaneous point. Oh? Really annoyed me. Ooh. How he, he went on like these lists of like the best science fiction and fantasy authors of the time. Didn't mention Gene Wolfe or Glenn Cook. Who did he? Who did? I, I don't. I like. I, there's a lot uh, of like things. In my a brain lot of William out. Gibson, um, Roger Zelazny. Oh, he did. He bring him Zelazny. John Scalzi. Right. I'm like Scalzi was on there. Yeah. 
He's, he's like Scott a Card. Ends writer. Like, what, why yeah, is not, he that, like that, a reference that, in the same sentence as all these like going to 60s, the, 70s, 80s? The writer. grade that's not the grade um, that's not actually 80s. This is not an 80s yeah, thing. Like, like, uh, um, there were a few of those where it was just like very clearly like there were World of Warcraft references. This book came out in 2011. I was like, this guy like was trying to go. Oh, it's an 80s thing, but I'm going to drop in a couple of very recent pop culture things so people can be like oh i play that oh, i read his books like you know <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing but yeah, that was a that's a weird thing like apparently nothing happened between 80s 90s and early 2000s until when this book happened like he mentions like one game or something like that but it's still like it's still he, like the, the learning or games yeah yeah that he, it's yeah. still like facebook or like he still mentions like current social media or something like youtube uh, yeah, yeah, when he's meeting with for the first yeah. time, like, maybe I'll record this. Happened in like thirty years that like yeah, we're gonna think like YouTube's gonna it's, be around in the twenty fifties. Uh, Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you complain about this on the Acts of Cain? I did. Where, yep, yeah, because there, there, yeah, there are all these references to eighties and nineties mm. science yeah. fiction, yeah, and then there are there are really only like two references <laughs> to literature between then and the date the Acts of Cain occurs. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, and that's that's like that's something it's tough for authors to navigate. Where it's like you you either have to completely make something up wholesale, or you just kind of skate over it and and hope that yeah oh people are going to love these references. They're not going to care that there aren't references to future things. It's a very good point because like he doesn't his reference like what he actually references is actually very narrow. Like there's so much more. Like it's like very very popular movies and very very popular video games, mm -hmm. and that's it. Like he doesn't even really get obscure on just about anything. Like I think he even talks about well bands like, a couple times. Bands. I want to say Rush. Rush was oh, on yeah. there. Rush was the big. Holy Trinity is on there. Like DC, DC, yeah, but like there's nothing. Death there's nothing like, like that's just relegated. Like it would have been good if he just threw in like things that like really died off in popularity after the 80s like yeah. like something god i can't even think of anything because they did like he, i mean he doesn't even mention like big trouble in little china which is one of my favorite he doesn't even mention john carpenter who is one of the best authors of like the yeah, yeah. Or directors of the 80s it, it really felt like right. um he, he, the content creators he he mentions are just like the most popular people yeah that's like, like he doesn't even get obscure. Like it's not, yeah. it's like, yeah, everyone. Yeah. Great. You referenced alien. Good job. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Thanks. Back to the future. Oh, let me look up Robert Zemeckis's magnum opus. Thank so when you. when you said that right there, um, I'm going to make a nerd reference here. Pete Holmes, comedian. He yeah. has a, a series of YouTube oh, videos right. called the X-Men where uh, he plays a, uh, Professor X firing a bunch of people from the X-Men because their powers are worthless. And there's there's one point where I, I don't remember which which episode it is, but some one of the X-Men is like talking about their powers and, and he's like, Oh, so you can you can do this? And says something like super benign. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I could do that. And he's like, Good job. I think I, I, think I remember like there's one joke is like, I can wear gloves, but it doesn't feel like I'm wearing gloves. <laughs> And that's my power. It's just like, <laughs> oh my like, god, something like that. I, don't, I, I it sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, oh my god. Like, we're if we're thinking of improvements <laughs> for this book, like, if it's just all references 
of 80s that like nobody liked. Like <laughs> he makes references to DD, like the worst DD campaigns. That'd be an excellent like, troll. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't even make the good. How oh, great would it have been if they got to the very, very end and the last gate, the last puzzle, and it just turned out to be a, a password that turned out it was just like one, two, three. That would that would have been like the password, best. password, password, <laughs> password. Oh god! Like, yeah. Halliday got real lazy at this yeah, one. Yeah. It's like he's like it's yeah. like a holograph. Halliday's like, oh, this is this is Halliday's pure '80s cocaine thing, which is also super '80s. Like he just yeah, got really yeah. into cocaine. So I'm not he, gonna lie. he was in he was in a lot of pain at the end of yeah, his life. Good. He was just like. Ugh. Password. I spent about ten <laughs> whole minutes entertaining the notion that uh, the very last password would be up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, ba. Oh yeah, it's a nineties reference code. though, so we can't do that. Oh, touche, yeah. touche. Not that I he, mean, not that he didn't have nineties yeah. and two thousands. They're all nineties. I mean, he's he's but, refer- uh, yeah, he references like Star Wars, where like like most of those were like. Talk about or, the no, they were all uh, so well, 77, 70s. 80, and 83, and then he also mentions the prequels, which, so it's like, yeah. all right, so you know, early 2000, 2002, yeah. yeah. So apparently, they just stopped making good movies because I'm sitting here thinking, like, man, how does someone like, I mean, obviously, it was impossible, but he doesn't like even make references to like movies like, like, of Marvel movies, like, as much as I dislike most of you know them what? like like nothing's like a reference like he wrote these when they're happening this is like sort of crystallizing what's been like in the back of my head the whole episode it's that there's nothing original about this yeah like sure. he didn't even try there's he nothing. just cribbed from a bunch of other things and smushed them all together like i like when, the concept like, even, yeah, the, even the building oasis itself is just the matrix like, sure yeah yeah, I, I do like the concept though, of the Easter egg hunt being, you know, laid for those with the knowledge and the expertise. I did sure. find that to be kind of cool and original. Yeah, I, yeah. Overall, and, and like, like I said, earlier, the, like the second half of the book, I, I read along and had fun. Yeah, but I, again, that's just Stockholm syndrome, though. Like it's <laughs> yeah. not. No, I, I legitimately think the book improved in in the second half. Really, in the second two thirds, it was just that first like. It's because we don't have to oh, listen to his character descriptions so, anymore. So like, rough. But, Drew, you nailed but, one of my style points, like on the nose when you were talking your style. When you said you thought this book could be like a hundred pages less or something, like like yeah, fifty to one hundred yeah. pages less. I had that exact sentence in my style points. <laughs> yeah, like, you take out the references to I, that was my next point, Rob. Stuff. Thank you. You guys are you were vibing today. You guys are on my page. We're vibing. We're vibing yeah. today. Uh, so, do we have any more miscellaneous points, or shall we go into three favorite scenes? Uh, I just want to really quickly laugh about the name, not, not laugh about the name, but just how it, this is totally off topic. I promise Helen Harris. That's the name of H that's, that's his, that's her name in real life. Um, it was just such a coincidence when I saw that I burst out laughing because I have been just doing a lot of editing, uh, video editing for like, just like video game footage. I've been putting together compilations of just my, my favorite interactions with randoms. And one of the, one of the names of a ghost we were hunting in Phasmophobia was Helen Harris. And I had just also learned how to animate and track text graphics across the screen. And so I had literally that same day spent about 90 straight minutes listening to one of my teammates yelling the name, Helen Harris, Helen Harris. Harris, Helen Harris, over and over again to get that tracking right. And later that same day, I was reading Ready Player One, and the name of, of H turned out to be Helen Harris. And I was like, what are the odds of that? It just spooked me a little bit. Nice, nice. So I said, like I said, that was that was completely off topic, but I had yeah, to I, I gotta, you gotta start like live streaming some of your horror game 
like I think it'd be good playthroughs. Good thing. Like I remember some of the videos you posted. Oh, those are way oh, back in the day with the with the Oculus so Rift with the VR. VR because that would be yes, he does. Yeah, I have those. Yeah, I. Get some friends. Maybe we'll bleep this next part out, but Rob, me. you'll like this. I used to eat weed cookies and then do the the horror games in VR. Yeah, yeah. Your your channel is called Intoxigamer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, <laughs> like, you're, you're hitting a lot of my favorite Shout out on the Inking Out Loud podcast. <laughs> Like, like yeah. it's, 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 it's not, it doesn't connect to three scenes, but it is a miscellaneous point. Like, it, and it's kind of something that bugs me. Like when you think like, if you were to name, like at this point, there's a ton of them, your, your favorite eighties reference, like, cause my, mine is big trouble in little China, like, which is never mentioned in this book. I don't believe like, if you were to think about like, is your actual favorite eighties reference even mentioned actually? Like, no. is, like, 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 None of my I mean, top three are mentioned. Yeah, it's just it's like minor either. Like minor, usually John Carpenter. Like, like the la- I don't think the, is the labyrinth mentioned with David Bowie. I feel it might have been like a throw. It no, might have been like I a throwaway. Because so. that movie's so. a, like is Jim Henson mentioned? No, like that's like just like amazing. Uh, no, there was one thing with the Muppets. There, there the has Muppets. to there has there to, it, it might have been like a throwaway, but it's like it's very limited. Just like that one too. Yeah, just yeah. like if it, like if you guys can think of your favorite '80s, like your actual favorite '80s thing that you like to think about, like is it here? Like, because like Star Wars, Back to the Future, like those aren't even '80s. That's just pop culture as a general right. term. I don't know, just kind yeah, of. I mean, a, like if, if, uh, if you the told music. me like to pick my top three like '80s references, you know what? How about this? None of us Phil really like Genesis. <laughs> Instead of doing three favorite scenes, why don't we say? Three favorite '80s references. Okay, from the book or just in general? Just in general. Just in general. Oh, I wish I'd had time to think about this then. I know that actually makes it a little bit better. I mean, I already, I already gave one, but yeah. Um, but so big, big trouble in little China. Big trouble in little China. I mean, I do, I really do love the. I'm, I'm not committing well, an elaborate well, thing in a minute so to you, think, but yeah. So you did your third. I'll, I'll do mine. Give Rob a little more time. We'll do our third. So, and then yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. so we're talking about '80s references in this movie. I mean, it's gonna be, it's this? gonna be like pink. It's gonna be like Pink Floyd, though. Like, I mean. uh-huh. so my my third favorite is gonna be Ride the Lightning. Oh, wow. oh that's a good I one. In the book. No, Metallica no, was not in the book. No, it's not a, like oh, they didn't okay. even didn't even mention. Oh my God, it's another. I thought we were doing from another the book. Okay, got you, got mention, you. mention Metallica. How do you not mention Metallica? Right, like, uh, and, and especially because Metallica were in turn nerds referencing science fiction. They yeah. were obsessed with H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, how do you not <laughs> There's a song on Ride the Lightning called "The Call of Cthulhu," which is like a misspelled like a phonetically misspelled mispronunciation of Cthulhu. But, but like they were obsessed about it. And then they have a song on master puppets called the thing that should not be that has full stop lines from the HP Lovecraft yeah, story. How do, you the not even, how do you not mention Metallica though? Like, like Metallica is the art, like it's up there with back to the future as far as like culturally. They're, they're one of the, the most influential, like uh, Just, musical artists of all time because he mentions like rush which is like rush is good and all but like they're nowhere near metallica no, no. like at all like uh, so all right rob you're you're third you're number three bill collins genesis bill collins are all right all right the og drummer singer mm-hmm. yes i'm a big Very fan nice. of genesis phil collins so jamming okay. abacab earlier today I mean, it's like, like, I guess like, so big trouble in China. Like these are not like my top three are interchangeable. Cause like this sure, one, and it's sure. a little bit the same as like one thing he never mentions, like, and one of 
actually hands down probably one of my favorites like 80s like synth wave yes. like just in general i fucking love oh, i love man. just like Dude. 80s synth wave it's never like mentioned i love that sound i love it yes. as like an atmospheric thing i am just, an avid player it's not even actually in the movie it's just nothing which is again which will tie into my other choice as well which oh, okay, okay. is mentioned in the movie but not mentioned in the book so oh. well my number two i've already mentioned on this podcast gene wolf book of the new sun and he like i mean this guy this guy this guy was very shallow on his references like he doesn't yeah and gene, like, gene wolf is great like it's like book of the new sun is widely regarded as the greatest work of literary science fiction in the last century like I, there, there are probably people now who, who are going to say, you know, like, oh, Broken Earth is on that level, and and I haven't read Broken Earth. Um, I'm very excited to get to it, but but like that, the book of the New Sun was transcendent in terms of what science fiction could do on a symbolic thematic level, and Gene Wolfe was the master. Of unreliable narrators, and that all oh, that ties we're tying it back in. And so the fact that the fact that Ernest Klein never mentioned Gene Wolfe tells me, like, despite being a, a writer, he he's not he was not plugged into um the literary world. He read the popular stuff and then wrote this book. Like it. it it would be impossible for a writer to not be aware of Gene Wolfe and the 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 impact he had on the the industry. He's not a writer, though. like like this is this is one of the most a prolific and b awarded authors of the 20th century, but a guy who never sold really well because his writing was so challenging that your everyday reader who's out there to read popcorn fantasy is going to bounce off it right away. Like you're, you're going to, you're, you're an average reader in the eighties and, uh, and you're looking for a new fantasy book, right? And you go, I know you go look up, uh, you go see uh, shadow of the torturer on the shelf and you open it up and you read the first sentence or the first paragraph, and it's, it is possible I already had some presentiment of my future. The locked and rusted gate that stood before us, with wisps of river fog threading its spikes like the mountain paths, remains in my mind now as the symbol of my exile. It's like, compare that to the opening I mean, lines of Ready Player One. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I, I honestly, that, that was a great, that was a great statement, for sure, because I've had so many where, like, the, I don't know. They just go so under the current of like main, the mainstream. They're just underneath it, and it's great. Like, cause, cause I've, I've found so many, so many books that way. I started reading like Wayne Barlow, who I just got in because I like. Ooh, that's a deep dig. Yeah, yeah, because like I just liked his artwork. I was like, oh, he wrote some stuff. I'm gonna read. It's like I'm started reading God's Demon. I was like, this is weird, but I. There's, I'm, I'm no way gonna regret reading this. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. It's it's a different kind of experience. Exactly. Exactly. But he doesn't do any of that. So Rob, you're number two. Martin Scorsese. 
I went to to college for a year, specific like you know specifically. For he film. wasn't mentioned in this. Book. Yeah, I was Scorsese not mentioned. Oh my god, that's what, a good one. And I was thinking, I thought of another one while you guys were talking. There was Michael Jackson Ranford's referenced at all that I didn't see. I can't. How is how is Mike? How is Thriller not mentioned? Right. Just like I. That's when I think because it's not like because it's not like a Michael Jackson he planet had to that he mentions been. like like right? some really obtuse. There has to be right like 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 I don't know maybe in the dance scene in the club. Yeah, yeah, he like, goes to a club with it. Like there's yeah. gotta be. It's you know what you know what the song they do in the club in the movie. It's the Bee Gees staying alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's not all right. I mean, but yeah, I couldn't. I, I thought Scorsese, and you know, that's that's my that's my second choice is Scorsese. I love Raging Bull. I loved. I th- actually, I was thinking, Taxi, I don't driver, know, taxi Driver is eighties. I think it's seventies. Actually, I think it's like seventies. Right, I love something. Taxi Driver. Um, <laughs> I, and I was gonna say Goodfellas too, but that's actually nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, actually, I, in his defense, I think eighties for Scorsese was lack. Like there was good, like nothing he's done, but it was. Not his like, like I think the Raging 90s Bull, was Scorsese's. Oh like, my god, I love that movie. Which Raging Bull? Yeah, like oh, Raging, like, like it's the boxing. It's, it's great. Yeah. didn't you know? Like that's awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. You're you're number one, Rob. Right, it's, it's like it's these are all interchangeable because I can't go sure. with like eighty sure. synth wave, big trouble trap, but like, and because it's mentioned in the movie, it makes me feel like Spielberg flipping off the author. The Shining, like oh, Stanley, oh. Stanley Kubrick, oh. like peak, like uh, yeah, just, I mean, that, the, that came the, out right. in 1980. Like so, I mean, that I feel like that should have been in the book. How do you not mention The Shining? I love that. I love that movie. I'm not a huge fan myself. Well, go back to Russia, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm the. like cabin fever movies of people slowly going insane. I love that. That's a that's a thing, and like Jack that, Nicholson that just seems like you. nails it. Like, <laughs> like I mean, and and just like like that one is. I feel like that's as culturally significant as like a Back to the Future or even a Star Wars reference. Oh yeah, definitely. at this point, like, and to just not even mention, like like I said, it's mentioned in the movie, and it's one of the reasons I think the movie is far better because there's an entire sequence where that takes place of one of the puzzles is about mm-hmm. The Shining, mm-hmm. and it's great. Yeah, and yeah. but it's not even in the books. At all, mm. Drew, you have to see this movie. It's it's far far better than the book is. The Shining. I, I've yeah. seen The Shining. No, there's no in the, the movie already. Oh, one. the movie. Right there, oh, okay. there, there's an entire scene that takes place in The Shining. Oh no! Like like they have to instead of like instead of doing like shitty movies like really? like like okay. the Matthew Broderick. Like I'm not saying it's shit, like, shitty, but it, it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. War Games isn't a good movie. I'm sorry. The Shining. They make The Shining take place where. <laughs> And instead of reenacting it, they have to like beat the shining, which is good. I quite like that scene, honestly. I like the scene where the IOI people just getting decimated by it is hilarious. Nice. Okay. Well, so my number one is going to come as no surprise to many of our listeners. It's the black company. Oh, was that 80s? That is started in 83. I mean, I just I just started reading in the last like like couple like of years. Even even more than Gene Wolfe, where Gene Wolfe, like yes, he was a, a transcendent writer, but he was niche. <sighs> you know, he was he was somebody who was had a, a high you know high barrier of entry kind of thing. Glenn Cook did not. 
And Glenn Cook is one of the most formative, inspirational writers to what modern fantasy is. Like, by the time Ernest Klein was reading writing this book, if he was reading modern contemporary fantasy at the time, he was reading authors who were inspired directly by Glenn Cook. Nothing about he would be Ready reading Player. George R. R. Martin. He would be reading Joe Abercrombie. He would be reading Robert Jordan. Honestly, like it it legitimately surprised me there were no Wheel of Time references in this book. I mean, book. like let's be honest, like nothing about Ready Player One indicates he's read anything. Like nothing, nothing is know, about. Like, no, there's he, no. He had enough like weirdly obscure writers. Like no, like, it looks Roger like Roger Zelazny. I was it like, looks like really? he googled some things. Like and, and then, Corey Doctorow and like and, yeah, he uses them in a list. He doesn't like go to a yeah, world where true. he describes anything about them. That's true. Like there's like he makes he makes Tolkien references at best, and that's yeah. As far as like anything in depth, that's the maximum amount of like actual literary effort mm -hmm. Th this book is 80s comic book and video game movie references that's it yeah 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 like glenn cook is like as as far as nerd references go for the 80s glenn I didn't know cook, was black company garrett pi starfishers dread empire i just like, finished that the third is... book of black company it's amazing oh yeah yeah it is it's, yeah it's it is. Good. I, that, like that's that's some world building right there that is mm. A whole different thing. If you want to oh, get and, and, we, and just wait till you get to the books of the south. You guys need to do like a soul, totally different like podcast where it's like you get drunk and you talk about the best world building. Black Company would be on oh, that maybe, list. Maybe we'll far. do a Patreon episode. We we'll do a Patreon like episode for it, yeah. yeah. And then you can bring in you can bring in Ready Player One, which again, like <laughs> like I love talking about the nondescript world building they have here because none of it makes sense. Because again, it's the world of idiocracy. I think, like Carl's Jr. Right. We take your kids. F you. <laughs> like that's what yeah. I assume this is. Rob. So, uh, so I... Canada, Rob. Yeah. Oh, 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 that's right. We're still on favorites or favorite references. I was gonna say favorite scenes. Um, I was going to say Michael Jackson until I thought of something that I actually would prefer to say. That's why I brought up Michael Jackson earlier. Michael Jackson is a good one, though. Oh yeah. Yeah, that is a really good one. Uh, Eddie Murphy. Delirious. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, like Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, Holy crap. I was talking like, about stand up. Just, but you're like, totally was, right. That was peak him coming to America was eighties. Oh my yeah. God! Oh, Trading places shit. was eighties yeah. as well, wasn't it? Or was that early nineties? Trading places. Yeah, I mean, like that was Steve Martin. Mm -hmm. Steve Martin was peak eighties as well with Eddie Murphy. Oh shit! Trading places eighty three. Pink Panther. Oh my God! Pink Panther. Oh my. There's so many references he doesn't even touch that are amazing. Oh man! Star oh, Trek. So Did he good. touch on Star Trek at all? Yo, yeah, he touched on Star Trek. Not, not even a lot. Oh, this uh, Lethal Weapon was the '80s. Oh, God. Yes, like, that was that. Oh, the, on, first the first one was '88, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah, it was late '80s. But mm. like, first, like, how do you not mention like Lethal Weapon's great? Danny Glover. Uh, yeah. This is incredible. Like, how do you not? Uh, these references that you guys are bringing back makes it all worth it, honestly. All right, like, all right. So we we have a, a a minor audience tonight. Chris, what's your favorite '80s reference? Uh, top three would be Depeche Mode, Ooh. War Games, that's it, and CompuServe. 
CompuServe. CompuServe. Is that what I just heard? That's so funny. That was that was the best celebrity shot ever on IOL. When was Netscape? No, that was nineties, right? Like Netscape had to have been nineties. It had to be. I remember Netscape, and I was born in ninety, so. Yeah, like I, I think I only remember it from the night. It had to be like internet wasn't around late. No, I mean we like didn't. A... My family didn't get internet till ninety six. Ninety six was the year we did. Yeah. Like, how much older am I than you? Like, what? How old are you? I'm I'm thirty one. I just turned thirty one. Ah, oh, you're only like, you're only three years younger than me. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. April twenty second, nineteen ninety. Four years. Birthday, baby. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> the the holiday that didn't exist until I was like eleven, or I guess Ugh. it existed, but nobody paid attention to it until I was like eleven. Chris, if you find any other eighties <laughs> references that haven't been mentioned, just throw them out there because, like, honestly, uh, like, there's so many good ones he missed. Like, I, know, I mentioned at the beginning of this, like Reagan and AIDS as a joke. Like, like they were huge culturally. Oh but, like, yeah, but, yeah. Like, I I feel like he could have like thrown them out as like a thing but it's just it's just so like 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 drew said it's just so masturbatory of what he liked yes and this like the future should be about what he likes specifically he doesn't even mention magic cards which oh unfortunate but really like they were they were early 90s like when they started okay okay okay. which Hmm. i mean it didn't impede him from talking about terminator and Terminator 2 and Aliens. Yeah, not that he didn't have early 90s references. Yes, yeah, so he had more. Honestly, I would argue he had probably as many early 90s or 90s references than he did actually 80s references. Like he's talking about Blade Runner a bunch. Like, oh, yeah, Blade Runner was like a major part of the puzzle. Uh, that was not. Was Blade Runner 90s? I think that was early 90s. No, that's 86. Yeah. Oh, no. no way. Was Blade Runner. I mean that was eighty-two. Was pardon me, eighty-two. I knew it was eighties. Yeah, sorry. Harrison Ford was uh, was, was just coming out of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. Right. That one checks out. As much as we sh- on him, it was at least, eighty-two. I thought it was at least ninety-two. That, honestly, nope, it's eighty-two. That's, that's a testament. I feel like it's a testament to how well that movie aged. Like it doesn't look like. Oh, yeah, I think Blade Runner was in between uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom. 20, Blade Runner 2049 is actually also amazing. It's heartbreaking as well, but it's a great movie. I still need to see it. I mean, I, I love, love Blade Runner. Like, legitimately one this, of my favorite this, it's, movies it's of all time. It's amazing. Again, but it is, as, as much like the Blade Runner, like, it is heartbreaking. You know what I got to say? Like, maybe we'll, we'll have to cover Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep on this oh, podcast at some point. <laughs> if you guys do iRobot, let me know. I have a lot to talk about. One of the very rare Ooh. instances with do Androids Dream and Blade Runner, where it's like there was a movie adaptation. Both of them are very different, but they're both really, really good. Like the the differences don't detract from Blade Runner. It it kind of went its own direction and turned into something that transcended the original idea. But the original idea was still really, really good. Like it just it did two different things. I, yeah, we're, we're I, agree. I, I, I agree. That's a whole different thing. Though. Yeah. I will argue <laughs> that Will Smith iRobot is actually quite entertaining. It's I love that movie. Though. I quite enjoy watching the movie, though. I it's love that movie. As a, but the movie's fun. But the book is amazing. Yeah. Like that whole, it's a, it's a complete side tangent. You should head out. But like the whole like iRobot book scene where like the robot is like constantly going between like 
like they're on like mercury or something and it's like going between like uh whether it can help the humans to hurt the humans like just like constantly like where the robot go it's just like constantly switching like between rule one and two like it just like and it's just like stuck in a loop i love that story that was so much that was so good have to check yeah. it out. okay well uh, shall we uh, shall we move on to the final draft Final draft. Final yeah, draft. let's do it. Unless we think of another '80s reference we want to bring up, that's amazing. No, let's let's do the final draft. <laughs> yeah, Reagan. Otherwise, we're going to get stuck in an endless. We thing. will absolutely. Oh. <laughs> and we're already at an hour and forty minutes. That's fair. Let's. <laughs> all right, final draft. I'll start us yeah. off with the final draft because I'm I'm letting everyone down once again, and uh, except for my organs, and I'm just drinking water. Yeah. What? For you. Keeping that yep. sober streak going. What, what are you at? You're over three months now, right? I'm at like 105 days or something like that. Woo. I didn't know that was a thing you were doing, and I apologize. No, it's okay, you. dude. I mean, I, I, it hasn't been entirely sober. Like, I had a drink on one day when I fixed, like, the $1,000 stove, like, the, the touch keypad on it. Had a drink that day. Um, I also had a drink a couple of days ago, and I was trying to do some writing. So, it hasn't been, like, entirely sober. But it's just, I've just decided to stop just drinking as a habit. You know, I don't think I'm going to pick it up as I a mean, habit again in the future. Healthy. I respect that. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to Jordan Con? I have. I was supposed to go to Jordan Con in 2020, but then COVID happened like two weeks before. Um, and I will be there eventually in the future. I don't know if I'll be. I, I'm sorry. I should say I. Well, I don't know. I won't be there for 2021, but hopefully for 2022, I will. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a party. I still haven't met Drew face to face. I've known him for 10 years now. <laughs> yeah, I know. 11 <laughs> years, I think. It, like I said, it's going to be a party. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, Rob Winchell, what yeah, are you yeah. Drinking? What are you sipping uh, on, dude? I'm drinking, I'm drinking chill, cold fermented India Pale Ale by Weldworks. Been Ooh. quite nice. Very nice. Very nice. Nice. It's Weldworks a, a, always trust. A recent release. Yeah, it, it is a recent release, and like I mean, I know you asked. Like normally, you ask me to bring like themed beers for this, but I'm like. I don't want to pee into a glass and drink it, which is why my general <laughs> feelings about this book are. So nice. I didn't do that. I wanted to bring something that's like at least recommendable and good. So, I mean, even for like the second part of, um, <laughs> but like when I was on before, I brought like a level of beer and effort, but like this one, I was like, no, no. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. It's done. But I do recommend this one. So, I am drinking a bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout from Cycle Brewing Company in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm trying to see if there's an ABV on this. I actually don't think there is. I do not think there's an ABV listed. It's it's a lot, though. It's definitely... Like, mind, this is a really boozy, like, purely barrel-driven beer. Like, you, you have a nice, like... Oh, like raisin sort of tobacco flavor from the stout, but it, but that's really drawn out by the barrel. It's very woody, very boozy. Like, uh, ooh, yeah, this is a beast. But it is called Rare Das. Since there were literally rare MS-DOS computers in this book. <laughs> Hey, did he didn't make like computer references? Yeah, it's another thing. He doesn't even make computer references. Oh, he does. He does. Like, to, 
Really? Yeah, oh yeah, this is this, this, this the uh, Apple. I mean, like so that final scene in uh, you know when he has to type in the uh, the password in the like egg room. There's just like rows upon rows of different like computers and game systems and stuff, and he lists off like I mean, my eyes glazed over. It nice. was like an entire paragraph of just like operating systems, and I was like, <sighs> you know, <laughs> but yeah, but, yeah, of course, like like I get it, and I. But yeah, rare as dogs. you describe it, I that makes sense why I would forget it. Yeah. Oh, nice. Very nice. So much like Madame Curie would have when she jacks oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, I, 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 I need you to promise me you're, you will consider joining us for a patron episode that we're going to do someday on Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, f- I don't know if I can read that. Like. I would I got, love I, to have I, I you on. I read the first two Twilight books. It was hard. Twilight? That's the, I, I and read I feel the like first Twilight book, and I've read the first two Fifty Shades books. Twilight is much better. Than oh, my yeah, God. Like that's, that's hey, Twilight like, was a guilty pleasure of mine back in the day. I actually liked the books when I read them way back I mean, when I was I'll, like 16. I'll do it. I mean, I'll do it. I mean, I'll... Fifty Shades I, of Grey, I, I feel like I'm that a, would be this episode. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a dirty, dirty slut for, you know... <laughs> You know, yeah. just talking it's about books that I hate. Masochist yeah, yeah, I love, I love reading books Oh, got you. Yeah, I mean, but, I just yeah, figured that would be I'm one of the funniest it. episodes, maybe the funniest episode we will ever record. So <laughs> I'd love I'm to just, have you on it, dude. I'm into it. Like, it's fine. If and, if and when we do that, uh, Lauren gonna come is going to be on as well. I'm going to oh, yeah? come in costume, by the way, too. Oh, oh no. no I, I actually, <laughs> it's weird. I just did a Mad Max theme murder mystery this last weekend. So I already have the bondage gear. So I'm <laughs> well, now I have to team. pencil this in for a sooner date. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> and on that note, lovely. And on that this note. has been. <laughs> he doesn't rather... even mention Mad Max. Actually, oh, that he just doesn't. reminded me. Oh, he doesn't even talk about. You're right. Like, You're right. Neither of the Mad Maxes. Like, Ooh. oh my god. But yes, this has been episode 123. A rather obnoxious episode. It has been. <laughs> yeah. The invasion of the Robs instead of the invasion of the McCaffrey. Yes. Um, yeah. Next up, we're going to be covering the first twenty-five chapters of Chaos and Order by Stephen R. Donaldson. We're heading back to the Gap Cycle, so definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. If you would like to support the show, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com/inkingoutloud, and uh, we've got all kinds of benefits, including requesting books and possibly coming on as a special guest like mr winchell right That's here true. there's also the added bonus like if you contribute we will tell you what famous scientists would jack off with oh, no. <laughs> in their in historical the timeline like well, i've never wondered what nails bore his censoring of this like episode jack off to, We'll tell you only if you're a Patreon oh, contributor. Oh man, yeah, that, that's that's a new like two dollar tier perk. You, you get a uh, access to the newsletter and you get to find out how a historical scientist got their rocks off. What Columbus <laughs> jack up with like? That's good. Oh, oh, I want to go somewhere no. dark with that. Anyway. End this episode before I go somewhere dark with anyway. that last joke. <laughs> this episode is over. Save me from myself. <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/shakingoutloud. I am your host, Drew McCaffrey. With me is my co-host, Rob Santos. Yes. And our special guest, Rob Winchell. Hey, girl. Hey. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye, everybody.
You gotta think about Artemis in the bathroom, obviously. <laughs>